I'm glad you're back for day four of our look through Revelation 21. Who wouldn't be back for this tour together through what heaven's going to be like? And we get some very exact descriptions in the verses we're going to look at today. We've talked about then the fact that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And then the fact that God's dwelling is going to be with us. And then in verse 2 and then skipping down to verse 9, then there's going to be a new Jerusalem. Let me read for you those verses, verse 2 and then verses 9 and 10. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came to me and said, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. We're going to find as we walk through these next few days that most of the verses in chapter 21 focus on the new Jerusalem. There's deep, significant focus on what God is going to do in this new Jerusalem, and there's a reason for that. I mean, if I was writing Revelation 21, I would have talked more, maybe more about the new earth and what it's going to be like. But the new Jerusalem, a lot of what is talked about and shown in what God's going to do in the new Jerusalem is a fulfillment of what he has said. He's promised he's going to do all throughout the scripture. A lot of what he tells us here is going to happen in the New Jerusalem fulfills much of what the Old Testament tells us of what God has promised he's going to do in the future. So God is just showing us here he's going to fulfill his promise in the end. And it's interesting here, the focus on the New Jerusalem. Human history begins in a garden and it ends here in a city. And there's something amazing about that. There's something amazing about the fact that it's a city. We just looked a couple of chapters ago at a city by the name of Babylon. It was called a harlot. It was the ways of this world. It was the ways of selfishness. And here you have a different city, Jerusalem, and it's called a bride. It is the bride of Christ. For you and I, when we think about a city, many times we think of it as a place where we feel further from God rather than closer to God. But here, the new Jerusalem is a place of glory alongside the new heaven and new earth. They're all there in this new creation is the place of deepest association with the presence of God. When you want to get closer to God today, just think about your life. Would you say, I'm going to go to the heart of Los Angeles or New York? Or would you say, I'm going to go up to the mountains. I'm going to go to the lake. When we want to feel closer to God today, we get out into nature. We get into a garden. In fact, many people today even feel cut off from God in the city. We're surrounded by people and steel and concrete. So we want to get back to nature to get closer to God. But here, in eternity, it's right in the middle of a city where God's people are, where God's presence is most intimately felt. That's how different heaven is. You don't have to get away from people in order to feel closer to God in eternity. In fact, the closer you get to people in eternity, the greater concentration there is of people, the closer you feel to God in one sense. I don't know if you can feel closer. You just feel close the whole time because that's what heaven is like. Human history began in a garden. It ends here in a city people celebrating together who God is. And when you get this description of the city, what it's going to be like, now people get caught up in, is is this an exact description? Is this a symbolic description? It's what John saw. And John saw it so he could pass it along to us. And he passes it along to us so that you and I can realize what eternity is going to be like, the promise of eternity. Let's just, these next few days, starting today, just go through this description almost line by line. What's the new Jerusalem like? First, on its gates, there are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Let me read for you verses 11 to 13. It shone with the glory of God, 
and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. Gates of pearl we're going to look at in a few minutes, the most valuable stone in the ancient world. And three gates on each side showing there was abundant entrance for all. And on the gates there were the names, there were the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. This looks back to all, all those in the Old Testament who followed God's ways because of their love for God and the fact that they're going to be a part of this new Jerusalem, this place of God. But there's more even here than that. Before we talk about all that this means, you've got to look at verse 14 too. On its gates were the names of the 12 tribes. On its foundations are the names of the 12 apostles. Verse 14, the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were written the, name, the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The 12 gates are the 12 tribes. The 12 foundations, they're the 12 apostles. That represents the joining of the Old Testament and New Testament. All believers of all ages are going to be there in heaven. It's very clear. Now, it's not talking about people who believe in anything. These are true believers who have followed the God of the Old Testament when others were following idols. And these are true believers who followed the Jesus of the New Testament when others were following their own ways. This is the incredible, symbolic nature of what's happening here with the 12 apostles and the 12 tribes. But I want you also to think of the personal nature of this. Think for a moment with me of the people whose names are on that foundation or on those gates. The symbolism is powerful. The personal is also powerful. Think that you're one of Jesus' disciples and you get to heaven and there's your name on one of those foundation stones. You're Peter, who constantly stuck his foot in his mouth while he was following Jesus. You're James and John, who went to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, could we sit beside you on the thrones? If I were Jesus, I wouldn't give them this kind of honor. Jesus says, they followed me, and in following me, I'm going to honor them in all of eternity. There are the 12 apostles. There are also, there are also the 12 tribes. The 11 sons who sold Joseph into slavery in the book of Genesis, remember that story? The 11 who had no faith and in fact wanted to kill their brother and then sell him into slavery, their names are on these 12 gates. Normal human beings, human beings who made great mistakes in their lives, their names are on heaven's gates. That is the glory of God. That is the redemption of God. And from north, south, east, and west, we arrive at all directions through the testimony of God's people, Israel, the testimony of God's bride, the church. And we enjoy God's eternity forever together. That's the gates. That's the foundation. But we're not through. Its size is talked about, 12,000 by 12,000 by 12,000, verses 15 and 16. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod, and he found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, and as wide and as high as it is long. So that means same width and length and height. That means that it's a perfect cube. There's something amazing about this. That means that it's just like the Holy of Holies in the temple of God. The Holy of Holies was 2,700 cubic feet. The New Jerusalem is going to be 3,225,000 cubic miles. 
The Holy of Holies was 30 feet on each side. The New Jerusalem is 1,500 miles on each side. What does this represent? The perfect cube. It represents a perfect place of God's presence. And in the New Jerusalem, it represents a perfect place of God's presence is big enough for all. It's of this amazing size. The Holy of Holies, that 30 feet on each side place of God's presence, you could enter it only once a year. The New Jerusalem, all can enter it and live there. And for all eternity, we're going to be there together. That's the meaning of the measuring of this city. And then its wall. Its wall is 144 cubits thick. Cubits are, the last time you heard about those were with the ark. But here they are in this New Jerusalem. Verse 17, he measured its wall and it was 144 cubits thick by a man's measurement, which the angel was using. 144 is 12 times 12. There's a lot of 12s here, aren't there? Remember, 12 is a number of perfection. So the gates, perfect, 12 of them. The foundation, perfect, 12 stones. The measurement, perfect, 12,000 by 12,000 by 12,000. The walls, perfect, 12 by 12 thick. Now, that also exemplifies what a thick wall that is. That exemplifies the protection that we have with God in all of eternity. We are safe in his hands, safe in his arms for all of eternity. It is perfect protection. It is a perfect place of God's dwelling. It is a perfect foundation. It is a perfect place of entrance. It's perfect. Heaven is perfect. You may or may not have experienced something that seemed to be perfect on this earth. A few people have, but it wasn't perfect. The only thing that's perfect on this earth is the Son of God who lived on this earth. And if you'd lived during the days of Jesus, you would have experienced it then if you'd seen him and touched him. And we experience it in our relationship with God now. But the things on this earth, the relationships on this earth, none of them are perfect. They're better at sometimes than others, but they're not perfect. Heaven, perfect. Let's pray together. Lord, we don't even know how to look forward to perfection. We So often in our lives today, we settle for less. We don't want to be disappointed. We don't want to expect something that is not going to happen. We don't want to assume that you're going to do something that you have not yet promised to do in this world. Lord, I pray in my life, I pray for each of our lives today, that you'd help us to live with an expectation of perfection. Not here, not now, but then. And I pray that that expectation then would come into our lives today. So that instead of trying to make this world perfect, we could live with it as it is serve you in it as it is, love you in it as it is, knowing that we're looking forward to something far better, something perfect. Jesus, give us this strength today, we pray. In your name, amen. Tomorrow, we're going to complete these descriptions of heaven. (laughs) 